It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Channel on Twitter. Back with me. Off assignment, it's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say in the review, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Ben? How was your time away? Good. Good. Just, you know, trying to recover from this this um, this terrible... <laughs> It's terrible Ole Miss weekend, man. I mean, I, it's it's um, still getting to me a little bit. Yeah, Saturday was bad. Ole Miss in basketball <laughs> all but torpedoed its NCAA tournament chances. And then baseball, man, that number one ranking didn't last very long. Lost two of three to UCF, Central Florida. Lost Friday, rallied in the ninth to win game two. Otherwise, they're swept. Bad weekend. Bad weekend. And Brad did not take it very well. No, I've been all over the place with emotions. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb to say, I, I mean, we could have totally played that game on Sunday. It didn't rain till maybe five or six o'clock. Um, as bad as Saturday, I'm hoping was just a terrible off day. 
and um, you know we're going to recover from it. But but I, I mean I, I I hold my hope in thinking if we'd have went to sleep and woke up on Sunday, maybe our our good Ole Miss team would have showed up and actually won the series. So um, my gosh, man, Saturday was oh, Saturday was tough tough as a Rebel fan. Well, there's a lot to cover because this is a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions and a lot of baseball questions in the mailbag. I want to address something real quick, though. You said that this team was going to be undefeated going to the SEC play. I told you that's not how baseball works. I told you not to get your hopes up. You set yourself up for failure. Yep. Blame. I, I jinxed us. That's put that on me. But I'm going to go out on a limb. We're going to be 16-2. and two, One game God. worse than where we were the year before going into Auburn book it here oh god you just can't help yourself <laughs> you can't help yourself hey man listen i i am i'm as an Ole Miss fan as Ole Miss fan gets it's i'm always looking at it um with the with my Ole Miss goggles on unfortunately that's the way i was raised and um i i, I there's no other way i could i can look at it unfortunately the problem is you don't look at it like an Ole Miss fan you're the most optimistic person when it comes to Ole Miss sports if you really looked at it as the typical Ole Miss fan, then this weekend was, oh, to be expected. There's a fatalistic component to being an Ole Miss fan, and yet here you are after a bad weekend, and you're still shooting high with optimism. Good for you. I'm totally Ole Miss fan. I'm I'm on the other side. I'm on that I'm that Ole Miss fan who has crazy expectations and just gets really pissed every time we don't get there and just bitch all weekend. You know, so this weekend I was just I was just mad at the world. I would venture to say, however, that the basketball loss was far worse than the baseball losing series to Central Florida. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but but basketball though, the, the problem with basketball is I think that Mississippi State loss was was kind of the gut punch that weekend. This weekend was just uh, when I saw the line was Ole Miss minus nine, I, I started to just to dump a mortgage in it. Um, I knew better than that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think the Mississippi State loss um, was kind of that gut punch. I mean, I think even if you went out, that was still a question. Well, it was, but if you beat Vanderbilt twice and beat Kentucky, and that's no small thing because Kentucky's playing its best basketball. I know Kentucky just lost to Florida, but Kentucky's playing its best basketball of the year, right behind Ole Miss in the SEC standings. Ole Miss had everything to play for, and yet Vanderbilt, without its two best players, looked to be the more desperate team, looked like the team that had everything to play for. It was kind of a bizarre jarring thing to watch Vanderbilt play that way and Ole Miss to effectively cost itself any chance of the NCAA tournament, also allowing Vanderbilt, without its two best players, to shoot 59% from the floor in the second half. That's why baseball, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Even college baseball, which is a season of small samples, still takes a long time to know what an Ole Miss baseball team or any baseball team is. But in basketball, this was the postseason. They were set up, and still are, but it's not going to happen. They were set up to finish potentially in the top four and get a double bye. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, one thing about the baseball series, I mean, UCF, I know they started out, um, you know, didn't have a great series up in the season, but, I mean, you look at last year before the pandemic shut down, they were rated, they were ranked pretty high. They were, I, I still think they were a quality baseball team. I think we had, it was a combination of they were better than we thought, and then, um, you know, we just didn't play our best ball. And listen, it is what it is, man. We got great pitching, but if we don't hit, we're gonna be a we're gonna be a 500 team in the SEC. So, and when our hitting comes on, we'll be um, you know we'll be much better. But um, that's just leaves a lot to be to um, be desired out there with the bats. I know we've got a lot of Ole Miss baseball questions, but I want to address something about the offense. I'm guilty of this too. 
we didn't give enough significance to losing Anthony Cervidio and Tyler Keeney because when you look at this lineup, and that sounds simple, but listen, when you look at this lineup, who are the known commodities? Going into Saturday, Tim Elko had 25 more plate appearances in his career than Greg Kessinger had his entire freshman season, as in Greg Kessinger had 25 less plate appearances in his freshman year as Tim Elko has had in his career. He's not a known commodity. Hayden Dunhurst, Peyton Chatagnier, all of those freshmen last year, that is way too small of a sample. Kale Baker, after Louisville, didn't hit well. And he's just assumed to be a middle-of-the-order guy. We don't know that. We don't. We don't even know what Hayden Leatherwood is because Hayden Leatherwood, just like this year, started out slow last year. And then by the time the season got postponed and ultimately canceled, he was the third hottest hitter behind only Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan. There is no staple, no lineup staple, no guy that you say, okay, we know we got this. There isn't that guy. Now, Hayden Dunhurst has taken a step so far. And yes, maybe right now, he's the best person to hit second or third. But we don't know if necessarily he's going to be that guy in a month or two. We don't know who the guys are. Yes, they returned seven of their starting nine. But those two were the known commodities in a lineup that was the most powerful in college baseball last year. It's not the same team. Because when you take away what's known, it leaves what? A bunch of questions. And that's what this lineup is. The knowns are the weekend rotation. And they've been really good. And the bullpen, which wasn't very good this weekend. But great an opening weekend. So I would say temper your expectations for the first month. And if the same problems are still happening in a month, okay, time to panic. Yeah, they're probably going to lose one or two more. Maybe they drop another series. But we'll know what the lineup is or get closer to that answer and at least know who are the guys that are emerging in a month. Right now, we don't know. Like, for example, Trey LaFleur. He was yep. only playing in the opening weekend because Kel Baker was out with COVID. And he hit really well. Then Kale Baker comes back, and he's starting for three straight games. Trey LaFleur comes in off the bench, pinch hit, home run. Then he starts. Doesn't have a great start. But Trey LaFleur could be one of those guys. We just don't know. And that's something that none of us, media, fans, everybody looking at this team, didn't give enough significance to. We don't know who the dudes are. We just don't. Yeah, I think I think you can see that the talent's there. It's just a matter of creating some consistency. Um, no know, doubt, can. the talent is there. We just don't yeah. know how to balance and effectively line up the talent. Just take a step back, take a deep breath. Don't get too caught up in wins and losses. Twenty games in a row, they weren't going to win fifty-six in a row. Take a step back, take a deep breath, and see where they are in a month. If in a month it's still the same problems, okay, I get it. Yep. Well said. I agree there. I mean, I think it's just one of those things. We hope that this is just, um, you know, some early rust or, or something along those lines. And maybe we can, we, maybe we can get it going. This is talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. It's time to open the modern woodman mailbag before we do. Let's hear from Thomas Chandler of modern woodman. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. 
For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. It's mailbag time here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sound. A lot of mailbag questions. Did a mailbag a couple weeks ago. Didn't get a ton of questions. This time, who boy. I guess it only took one really bad Saturday to wake up. The mailbag listeners of Talk of Champions, Brad. They just needed to feel like you, even though you are Mr. Sunshine. You are still predicting that, okay, yeah, they lost two of three this weekend. Oh, they're going to win the rest of them until SEC play. I I can't stop you. I can't protect you from yourself. (laughs) 16 and two, baby. It's coming. Ole Miss Sports at Rebel Sports Talk. He'll start us off. Or she. I don't know. Can you ask Mike Bianco, how come the guy who players say hit balls farther than they have ever seen has yet to get a single at bat. He's talking about Kemp Alderman. I have the same question, and I don't know. I've got no real answer about it either. It's weird. If you don't see Kemp Alderman this week, there's got to be something else going on. I don't know. I'm certainly going to ask that. The next time we talk to Mike Bianco, that will be atop the list of questions, assuming Kemp Alderman isn't in the lineup against either Memphis or Jackson State. Also, do the Saints draft... This is for you, Brad. I don't know. Do the Saints draft a quarterback in the first three rounds... Are they waiting for Corral next draft? <laughs> um, I think the Saints are more or less waiting on Drew Brees' decision because uh, with a player of that um, that caliber, you have to give him his respect. And guys like that get to play until they they, they don't want to anymore. And the, and the organization usually respects those kind of guys. So I think that once Drew Brees comes out and gives his actual decision, if he hasn't already, I think they, they won – shop around and see if they can either get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or, or a, a very good um, you know, veteran in, in free agency. If not, then you maybe go a couple of years with Taysom Hill and, and then you draft a guy or, or you keep Jameis Winston. I mean, it just depends on where they are as an organization, where they see themselves as a contender, um, whether or not they, they want to go out and, and um, you know, strap their cap and get a, get a really high end free agent or, or draft a guy and they can control his contract for five years. So, it just depends on where they see themselves, and I think a little bit of that, they're waiting on Drew Brees as well. I'm glad we started here, because Rebel Fan 18 on the Ole Miss Spirit message board, that's my website, asked a question for the previous mailbag weeks ago, and I forgot. So I pose it to you now. Brad, because all this talk about Russell Wilson. Brad, what do you think about Russell Wilson's comments regarding getting hit too much? Will his offensive line take offense to that? Do you think he will eventually ask for a trade he has, or hasn't? He said, though, however, there are four teams, including the Cowboys, in which he would be okay getting traded to. That's effectively making a trade demand. Or do you think he's just trying to pressure the front office to upgrade his offensive line? Just curious, since you played on the offensive line in Seattle. Um, I can tell you this right now. Anytime a quarterback does that, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of bullshit, to be honest with you. Call it like it is. Um, I mean, you didn't see any line and saying, hey, Russ, when it's cover two, um, you know, and you can't throw your way to cover two and throw on all the interceptions. Like nobody's calling you out during that. I think that was, I mean, I think that wasn't, he probably didn't mean to word it that way. Just knowing Russ, he's a good dude. Um, 
But I mean, at the same time, you just, you can't go out and say stuff like that, man. Cause, cause a lot of the times, I mean, you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson and Russ, they, they never just drop back and make their reads and throw the ball very rarely. They run around and, and, and a lot of their hits are, are on themselves. And I played with Russ before and I know, you know, there's certain plays where he tries to extend them when he should have thrown the ball and, um, you know, he ends up taking hits that he shouldn't take. So, um, Tom Brady drops back, throws it on time and he doesn't take very many hits and he's won seven Super Bowls doing it. So, um, yeah, I think a, a little more, you know, sometimes quarterbacks can help themselves by actually, um, you know, getting rid of the ball. I mean, he's had, a, he's had four or five different O-line combinations since he's been there. And, and the one he has now is, is a very good O-line with his left side being, you know, multiple Pro Bowls. So, um, yeah, not, not a huge fan of it, but I don't, I don't think he probably meant to word it that way. I got my own question for the mailbag, and it's pretty much on this topic. When you look around the NFL right now, there is a quarterback awakening happening. Deshaun Watson, he's demanded a trade from the Houston Texans, saying he will never play again. Matthew Stafford, there was an agreement with the organization. He's traded to the Rams. Jared Goff, that relationship had been fractured. He was traded in that deal and went to the Lions. Now you got Russ speaking out. Obviously, the negotiations with the Cowboys and Dak, it's been two years going on three years now, and something hasn't happened. Quarterbacks have now stepped up and realized how much power they do have, and I think part of that has to do with them looking at Tom Brady getting signed by the Bucks, and then the Bucks surrounding him with pretty much everybody he wants, going all in and getting a ring. These guys just aren't going to wait around for it anymore. Yeah, I think that um, that guys are starting to to learn they can control their own um, you know their own path, you know, and and, and that's simply by speaking out. Because listen, these, these quarterbacks, here's here's one thing I learned a long time ago, and somebody told me this about Peyton Manning. They said he was absolutely brutal on his guys you know he would he would create walkthroughs that would that would trick their linemen just to give them all these different scenarios because ultimately at the end of the day when you lose they're putting it on the quarterback and he he always wanted to, to say hey if i was going to lose i want to make sure i was control of everybody you know doing the right thing and i think these quarterbacks now they they're realizing that you know, I want more say in the team because at the end of the day, I'm going to be the one that's going to be taking the the um, you know the brunt of all when we're losing. We're not going to Super Bowls, so some of these organizations may not be be you know investing in the in the right players for these um, for these quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Deshaun Watson; he has every right in the world. They traded away the best wide receiver in the NFL on his prime. I mean, if I'm a quarterback, what the hell? You know, I'd be mad too. So. Um, at the end of the day, if you're in an organization, you don't feel like they're doing the right things to win a championship, and they're they're not giving you input. Um, you know, to or treat you like you're that caliber of a player, then um, then I think you see these demands happening, and I think that that's that's exactly what you see going on. Caleb Sailors at Real Caleb Sailors. These are two questions for me. There is a theory. This is a one division question, so Brad has no idea, and most of you are going to roll your eyes. I won't keep long. There is a theory that director Tyler Hayward is Ultron, and another that he's Mephisto. Which theory makes more sense, Mephisto? Because it plays into the comics, the House of M, with Agatha Harkness. I think he's just a generic plot device to get to White Vision, which is a part of the old West Coast Avengers comics that they're really borrowing from with WandaVision. Second question, also, how important... (laughs) I can just hear you (laughs) rolling your eyes over there. Also, how important... (laughs) Peyton Chatney's presence on the field, it seemed like almost really needed his energy over the weekend. It's huge, but it goes back to what I said to start the show. Even with Peyton Chatney, is he a known commodity? No, no. 
And yes, he started really hot last year, but he was streaky too because that's how small samples work. But as far as this weekend, definitely. Ole Miss had to dip into its roster depth to Garrett Wood, to T.J. McCants. And I think T.J. McCants is going to be a superstar. But is he ready right now? Probably not. But maybe in a month or two, Peyton Chatagnier is the closest they have to a roster-known commodity. So yes, but the energy aspect of that, because yes, I'm a numbers guy. Everybody knows that. I love analytics in baseball. But I also buy into the belief, guys like Peyton Chatney, the energy they bring, you can't measure it. It's not tangible, but it does have an effect. And I think Peyton Chatney, with his energy, with the way he carries himself, he became a leader as a freshman and did not have that. He can only do so much while he's sidelined. I, see, I think certainly... Ole Miss missed that. He's very important. I don't know if he's the perfect leadoff hitter. I'm not sure he's not perfect to bat fifth. There's a lot that we just don't know about this team. But what we do know is that Peyton Chatagnier, as an energy component, absolutely matters. And for a lot of people that are just strictly numbers, they'll say, oh, whatever. The numbers will be what they are. Sure, but in a season of small samples, everything has at least some effect at least has some significance. And I think Peyton Shatney's energy is a part of that. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. I'll answer this with one word, but Brad's perfect for this. Why do you think a large amount of Ole Miss fans go into freakout mode over a single series loss in baseball? Yeah, it's not ideal, but it's not the end of the season. Do you think it's a football loss mentality that's brought into baseball? I'll just simply say, yes, that's exactly what it is. But Brad, is it more than that? No. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, Ole Miss is built around football and, um, everybody that is a, there, there's, there's very few just like, Hey, I'm just an Ole Miss baseball fan. I don't even know what goes on in football or, Hey, I'm just an Ole Miss basketball. I don't know what goes on. Most, most fans are Ole Miss football fans. And then they, they follow all the other sports because it's their school. So yes, I think you're, I think that is correct. I think that, that the football fans are, are, are mainly the baseball fans as well. And they, they have that, they have that mindset and that's just Ole Miss in general, man. I mean, that's just, that's just, a, it's just a tough, it's a tough fan base. They, 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 they love, they love their players to the point of where they, they, they treat them like they're their kids, you know, like they get, they get mad when you lose. So, um, yeah. And I, I think a little bit had to do with, with, with them being so upset this weekend was the fact that we were ranked number one. I mean, yep. you get that, you get that nice high, Hey, we, we get thrusted into being number one in the nation and boom, you just, you lay an egg on the first weekend. I mean, you would have liked to maybe, you know, held that rank and you got a little, little roll going and maybe had this happen later or so. But I think that the first weekend it almost showed like we played tense or like maybe, maybe we were more, weren't up to the test. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see it from both sides. I mean, they, they got a right to be mad. And then, you know, at the end of the day, were, were we overrated? Were we not? So, you know, we'll find out in, in, in due time. Ole Miss fans, by and large, and I know this because I grew up one, are fatalistic. They believe the worst is to come, right? So, of course, Ole Miss getting the number one ranking feeds the narrative once they lose to Central Florida in the first weekend after getting that ranking that it's a we are Ole Miss moment. That this is what Ole Miss always does. Because a lot of them don't tune into Ole Miss baseball until it's season time. I think the vast majority of them do. Football is a year-round sport, whether they're in season or not. Basketball season, it's reserved for November until February going into March. And if they make the NCAA tournament or not, that determines their mood. Baseball, it's basically coming right off of whatever their mood was for football. And I would have expected 
Ole Miss fans to be a little bit more lenient considering how well Ole Miss football finished. But the problem was is that Ole Miss got robbed of what everyone thought was an, an Omaha team, a College World Series team last year, was on the winning streak, got to number one. A lot of people were resigned to losing a game or two potentially in opening weekend, then to go 3-0 and and to lose that series. That feeds what a lot of Ole Miss fans already have inside of them, the belief that something wrong is going to happen. It's the we are Ole Miss thing that lives inside them. But it starts with football. Because football, and it's like this at a lot of places, but because Ole Miss is so much smaller, it's more magnified. Football is absolute king. And yes, yep. it's a football mentality. And it bleeds into the next question. Tucker Italiano, please explain the difference in mindset from losing baseball games and football games. Too many people think the sky is falling after a baseball loss or a series loss. Like we're saying, you can't have a football mentality with baseball, but I understand why they do. I get it. And it's not just because they lost to Central Florida. It's because they've only been to Omaha once since the 70s, and that was 2014. And they've had so many good teams, teams that were ranked in the top 10, expected to go to Omaha and fallen short. It's like the Super Regional in Arkansas on the third day, a win and get in, and they get absolutely obliterated. It's the Bloody Monday doubleheader against Tennessee Tech. All of that comes into play for some fans or the vocal minority or majority, I don't know, on message boards and social media when they lose the first series after getting number one. So it's a little bit more context to it than that because you have to take into account Ole Miss sports history. It's a pretty painful history. They haven't won (laughs) at the highest level. They haven't gone to Atlanta in basketball. The biggest accomplishment is the Sweet 16 one time. And in baseball, as great as this program is, and Mike Bianco built it from the ground up, there has been a shortage of Omaha appearances. I think Ole Miss fans do so much better when they get surprised, when, when, when they have no expectation and boom, we go to a bowl game, or we have no expectation and, and wow, we start 16-1. and one. When we come into the season with expectations, anything that goes wrong, it's like a here we go now, here, here we go again kind of mindset. I remember last year when we, when we played that first game versus Louisville, I was at the game, I texted my brother, I said, this is one of the worst Ole Miss-looking baseball teams I've ever seen. <laughs> And we, we go 16 and one and I'm so hyped. Like, I mean, I just remember that first game, not being very impressed for whatever reason. And, um, you know, we go 16 to one and now it's like, Oh man, we, we should, we're going to win the national title. So Ole Miss fans do better when you surprise them, when they have no expectation, when they have expectation, we'll look out though. Anything that goes wrong, it's a, here we go again, mindset. See, I agree with that completely. I was actually chastised by somebody on my message board when looking ahead to next football season to say, Hey, just, Approach it with a cautiousness to not allow yourself to believe that Ole Miss is going to go contend for the West and be surprised because you're right. When Ole Miss fans have expectations, the history is what it is. (laughs) They've been gutted too many times. And I was chastised. Oh, Ben, you know we're going to have a great season next year. I don't. I think so. On paper, the numbers say, and I'm an analytics guy, that Ole Miss should be good. But let's talk about those things that aren't measured in box scores. Like, for example, some We Are Ole Miss voodoo. You've seen it too many times. Um, I mean, we well, could list them off. We could really list them off, but it would be painful to relive them 4th and 28th, 26, 25, well, there, whatever. There is no turning back. There's no turning back now. Next year's football season has very high expectations. Ole Miss fans are not tempering their expectations. So it, 
it's going to, it's going to almost be like when we went to that first cotton bowl, super unexpected. Ole Miss fans were absolutely excited. That second one felt like the biggest letdown ever. Right. I mean, it was, I mean, it was brilliant. I'm telling you the expectations are what they are. Hope this team realizes that you better take the field and, and, and exceed them or they're, they, they don't temper. There's no tempering expectations here. And, you know, quite frankly, that's, that's fair. It's, I mean, you can only expect a team that b- returns almost everybody in your quarterback to come back and do better. I mean, I, I would say that's a fair expectation. You're it's right. Sure. You it's temper. fair. It's fair. And I, of course, understand it. I'm just trying to protect people from themselves like you to say that Ole Miss is going to be 16 and so you're going into Auburn. I have not let Kentrell Lockett be forgiven for before the Egg Bowl. If Ole Miss wins after that first Cotton Bowl, Egg Bowl, go to Starkville and win. Ole Miss is in the Cap One Bowl. I'm going to Disney World with my family. We're having a great time. Oh, Ben, don't worry about it. Oh, we're going, we're going to beat State. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then what happened? I have not let him live that down since. He'll tell you. I haven't let him live it down. Every time I bring it up, oh, God, here we go again. But it's true. That's why I just want to protect people, almost fans from themselves. Have all the expectations you want. It's your life. And it's just sports. Who cares? But you just got to look at the history, man. You have to understand the history that you're dealing with there. All right? There is no end of the rainbow pot of gold. (laughs) We're going to break through one day, baby. I swear we're going to win something. We're going to win a championship for I hope. But the best chance for that is in baseball. Oh, here we go. Okay, got to keep going. <laughs> Danny Trawola at Trebala. This is a great question. Given how a number of other ranked SEC baseball teams, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, struggled against seemingly weaker opponents over the weekend or at least dropped the Friday game, is this a result of more stacked rosters for all teams due to COVID canceling 2020 season? Absolutely. That Mm -hmm. is a great question for a number of reasons. Number one, and probably the only real point that needs to be made here, it's the unknown variable. We don't know how good or bad certain teams are because the playing field has been leveled as far as what we think is lower-end competition in the big dogs, the big guns, because of the stacked rosters. Returning experience in college baseball is a big deal. And Ole Miss is facing teams that, yeah, while Ole Miss has 22 pitchers, Central Florida, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just using them as an example. They return guys. They're a very veteran team. Their offense is a very veteran offense. They return guys that they might not otherwise have returned because of COVID. So that's the unknown variable. And that's something that when you're looking at ULM, not necessarily Jackson State, but Memphis, if Ole Miss loses those games, Maybe look at the rosters. Who did they return that they might not otherwise would have returned had COVID not happened? That is a big deal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there's some, there's some, yeah, you're right. I think teams are just better. I mean, some, some guys that weren't going pro, whatever, they decide to stay and, um, you know, they, they, they get another year. And I think this is going to go on for the next couple of years. I really do. Cause there's, there's going to be guys that are, um, you know, especially if the administrative guys is gonna be, or could play five years of college baseball. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a very fair argument. Destin Bryant at Destin Bryant, seven, eight, nine. I've heard you say not to worry about the losses in baseball. So I'm not freaking out like most people. I don't know a lot about baseball. So what exactly went wrong this weekend? Ole Miss faced two left-handed starters. Ole Miss hit 285 as a team last year against lefties. This has been a recurring problem. Ole Miss has a 793 OPS against right-handed pitching. 609 OPS versus left-handers. That's bad. <laughs> that is bad. That is a significant difference. So facing two left-handed pitchers didn't help. 
We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after we hear from BNA Bank, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Brody Clayton at Brody Allen. I know it's a small sample size and hard for you to gauge, but do you see Elko getting replaced in the lineup if he doesn't start hitting better? I know he's a captain, a great defender, but it feels like we haven't seen the Elko the coaches all rave about. I could see them first and foremost moving him down in the order and saying, look, man, we have faith in you. We have trust in you. We saw what you did last spring. We saw what you did in the summer and in the fall and in the preseason. We know what you're capable of. We're going to bat you sixth. You're never going to come out of sixth. Go do your thing. And here's the thing. He's running to some bad luck. And you might say, wait a second. Okay, bad luck only takes you so far. But look at the exit velos for his hits or for the balls he's making contact on. He was making contact at 111 miles per hour, and those were turning into outs. The baseball gods can be unkind. At some point, we'll start to even out. And give Central Florida a lot of credit, too. Analytically, they were shifting a lot. You don't see it a ton in college baseball. Central Florida did it. And Elko was a product of hitting it where the shift was. Kevin Graham, they shifted against Kevin Graham every time he came up to bat. I'm not necessarily panicking about Tim Elko yet. Because I do think there's some bad luck that's involved right now. Do I think he's necessarily going to come around and start raking like he did in the spring? A little harder to believe. But I do believe by the end of the day, by the end of the year, Tim Elko will be around what we thought he was going to be. Is that 330? No. But 260 in some cans? RBI guy? Sure. Sure. Because the exit below is there. Justin Bench has a 296 average. He hit a home run over the weekend. Did good work. But his profile so far in his career has been a low hard hit rate. It's been underwhelming hard hit rate. Tim Elko, his hard hit rate has been through the roof for over a year now. So again, I'm waiting to see if that evens out. If the batting average on balls and play gods let that even out. Are you worried about Tim Elko? Um, I, th- I think that... Um... I think you got to give him until till SEC play to, to to straighten it out. I mean, he like, like I said, I think I think they move him down the lineup, maybe that sixth spot um, somewhere in there, and then you know hopefully he'll work it out, man. I mean, maybe maybe he does better a little, uh, does better you know deeper in the lineup, but I, I just don't think you 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 pull a guy like that right now. I think if you get into give him some time to SEC play, and if he gets an SEC play and it continues, then maybe so, but. Um, I, I think this guy would have to do a lot to play his way out there because because the coaches are with these guys every day. They see the potential, they know what he can be, and and, and that's always in the back of their mind of hey, do I do I give up on him too early? You know, miss out on on potentially a really good player in the lineup. So they're going to give this guy um, you know all day, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he gets a turn around. Freezes crab sack at freezes crab sack. How aggravated are you that the baseball season got canceled last year when Ole Miss had all those guys that could hit because it ticks me off? I've said it a number of times repeatedly on this podcast. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, we are Ole Miss moments ever. I mean, think about it. 16 and 1, 16 game winning streak. 
robbing Gunnar Hoagland, Doug Nikhazy-led rotation of one of the two years in which they would have had a chance to go to Omaha. Now it's just a one-shot affair for them. One of the greatest sluggers in program history in Tyler Keenan, and Anthony Servideo, who was on pace to be the college baseball player of the year. And for Ole to have that team, and for a generational pandemic to hit, I mean, come on. Come on, it's like the universe aligned in a perfect way. That's why I go back to what I was talking about earlier. If you're an Ole Miss fan, just try to take it as, oh, I expect them to do something terrible. And once it's good, then you can be happy. Yeah, that's um, very unfortunate that year got passed. Um, but, you know, the one thing I do hang my hat on, I don't want to be negative Nancy here, but they they, they never they never played one SEC game. So you can only say what, um, you know, yeah, that, that they certainly were a good team. I think they had all the makings to do it, but – you know, had we been three SEC series sweeps into the season, I, I would have probably you know, been much more upset. So I always when I think about that season, I just say, hey, you know, they never played an SEC team. Um, you know, who, who knows what would have happened? So, um, yeah, that's that, that, that does suck. I think I think we had a real shot there. Yeah, whatever makes you feel better. Here's the thing about this team, too. I didn't mention this. Only four players on the roster. Tim Elko, Kevin Graham, Justin Bench, Knox LaPosser, who have logged at least one SEC at bat against SEC pitching. That's bad. There are too many unknown variables about this offense right now. Kane Liffin at the underscore Kane underscore Liffin. Any guesses as to who will emerge as the 2021 version of 2020 Servideo at the plate, if anyone? I don't know. I mean, they've ran everybody out there so far, so I don't. um, I'm going Trey LaFleur. I, I was thinking that. I really was thinking that. I think he's a hungry player. I think I'd like to see him get a, a bigger sample size, you know, a more consistent, you know, r- run of at bats. But I mean, he's he he's he's added a spark. He really has. I, I still think we're going to be a little bit better when when Shatney's in Shatney's in there, um, you know, in the lineup. I really do. It's the floor if you're thinking about a guy that makes a jump in a particular area significantly. Remember, Anthony Servidio was not a power hitter until his third year. Trey LaFleur could be that guy, that power hitter, middle of the lineup that steps in, emerges, and becomes that guy. We just got to see him play. He played all three games in a three-game sweep of then top 10 teams and then didn't play for three straight games. And when he did finally get into that second game, hit a pinch hit home run. Let him play. I don't know if I'm necessarily sacrificing the upside of Trey LaFleur just to get Kel Baker in the lineup. Mike Bianco has forgotten more baseball than I will ever know. But having said that, I'm going with the upside. What upside is to Kel Baker? He runs into a home run or two? Cool. DH him. Or effectively use him as a platoon with Kevin Graham. Meaning that when Kevin Graham is out of the lineup, if he's still not hitting left-handers, Trey LaFleur's in left field because you've been practicing him there. And Kel Baker can go to first base, and then you can continue to use Ben Van Cleve or whoever, Calvin Harris, as your DH. I'm just always going to find a place to put Trey LaFleur. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who could be, you know, he could really mesh with the Gonzalez and some of these other younger, Dunhurst, and be, be a core, you know, core player at Ole Miss. I, I think you give him all the at-bats you can this year I and mean, put him in the lineup as many times as you can, if not every day. Yeah. Because he's not going to be here after his junior year. Because somebody, some team, will take a chance on the tools of Trey LaFleur, whether he's got the production there or not. Somebody will take a chance. Remember, the Dodgers did, and he almost signed with the Dodgers. Got really close. I'm going with Trey LaFleur. I'm finding a spot for him. 
every single day in the lineup and seeing what I got. I agree. You look at, you think of this, you got LaFleur, Dunhurst, um, McCants, Gonzalez. I mean, that's, that's four, you know, four really good players yeah. to, to build. Young guys to build around. Young, very, very good young guys. Why not get them a lot of, a lot of experience this year? And, um, you know, it bods really well for next. Something I might be tempted to do is bat Gonzo first for the rest of the year. No matter what, just bat him first. Put Peyton Chatney back batting second. And then Trey LaFleur batting third. Or Hayden Dunhurst and then Trey LaFleur. I don't care. Dunhurst needs to be two or three. Because Dunhurst, in my opinion, he's on his way up. He's about to take off. He's already there. He's batting 396 already. But, of course, it's a very small sample. We keep saying that. But it's true. Of all the guys that are hitting right now, he's the best. So I'm riding with Dunhurst if I can. But I'm getting Trey LaFleur in the lineup. And I'd be tempted because I think Gonzo fits there batting him lead off even though he's not the fleetest of foot he's still fast trailer four sneaky fast by the way runs a 663 that surprised me sam mooney at sam mooney music what will sean robinson's role look like next season that's a good question are you assuming he's here because i'm not he's nowhere to be found i've heard really good things about him for the last couple of years me too and yet he doesn't play and thought we'd see more of him this season even though he's young what are you hearing about how he's developing as a player nothing and if Sean Robinson could help them right now as far as winning games, he'd be playing. And he's not. It should always be, and I don't care if they jump a year, leave high school early, it should always be a red flag if they redshirt. Because then you got to question how good are they? And they spent all year making him a better rebounder, getting him more physical. And yeah, I think he got COVID, lost some weight, some of the weight he gained, but he's nowhere to be seen. Nowhere. Demencio Vaughn. One-year grad transfer. He's supposed to be making an impact. He's gone. He's nowhere to be seen. Not in the rotation. He's on the bench. You can see him. He's cheering. Sean Robinson, nothing. I'm hearing nothing. So I'm pretty much of the, of the opinion. I'm pretty much convinced. I don't know it for a fact. I've asked. Hadn't gotten an answer. I don't think he's coming back next year. I think there's going to be another year of roster turnover. Significant roster turnover. And I think a guy or two will be processed that will go and have success somewhere else, just like, unfortunately, Bryce Williams did at Oklahoma State. Well, not, not unfortunately, because I'm glad the kid had success somewhere, but just unfortunate as far as not having that success here. He goes and plays two to a point guard. Kate Cunningham is going to be the top pick in the NBA draft for an NCAA tournament team. And he talks about in an interview how he lost his love for basketball last year, and he's refounded it at Oklahoma State. That's a bad look. It's a bad look. So that's the one thing that's at the top of my mind. How this staff recalibrates. How this staff maybe second guesses themselves or reassesses how they do scouting and development. Because there are some concerns. Look at the bench. It was all Kermit Davis guys on Saturday. Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, you name it. Four points. Matthew Morrell, the highest ranked signing in school history. Four points combined. The two guys who've been as close to the constants as possible, Devontae Shuler, Ramella White. He inherited Devontae Shuler, and Ramella White was a one-year grad transfer. What about the guys who are supposed to be the program guys? K.J. Buffin's one, but K.J. Buffin's been up and down. I don't know. Uncle Baby Billy at R underscore Uno. Oh, God, here we go, Brad. Just finished episode two of WandaVision, and really want some validation that something in those episodes 
pans out down the line. Besides a character reveal, I didn't just watch two episodes of 50 sitcom plot for almost no reason other than character. Look, you need to take four episodes to get into WandaVision, and then it all starts to reveal itself and what it's opening up. And it pays off. Brad doesn't care. Dave at Gunboat Dave, what's the intrigue with Kermit's offensive philosophy? It seems very counterproductive. The majority of possessions and often leads to four shots. Has he opened up the floor more offensively in his past coaching stops? No, his offense is his offense. The problem is almost doesn't have any outside shooting. It's really that simple. So all defenses have done is jam up the middle. Usually at Middle Tennessee State, he would have three or four grad transfers or multi-year grad transfers that would come in and they'd all play a particular role. And he was supposed to have that this year, but one is not in the rotation in Domencio Vaughn. The other, Romello White, is strictly a post guy. And Robert Allen, same thing as Romello White, except not as good as him. They have no outside shooting. That's the problem. It's about moving the ball, slashing, kicking out if there's an opportunity, but constantly pressuring the rim. But if all the action, if all the bodies are at the rim and you kick out and can't make the shot, what do you get? empty offensive possessions, or, in the case of Ole Miss, reluctant shooting because Ole Miss has not been successful shooting from the perimeter. How many times has Jarkel Joyner received an outlet only to step inside the three-point line and shoot at the mid-range because that's where he feels most comfortable? I can't count how many times that's happened. They don't have any confidence to shoot outside shots. Nubby at NubSup69. What a ridiculous Twitter handle. It's for you, Brad. What specifically is different between Kiffin's FAU and Ole Miss offenses? Is this a mashup with Lebby's system, or is Lebby calling plays with Lane Kiffin's scheme? I don't remember Baylor featuring tight ends so consistently. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch FAU much when Lane was there, honestly, because I was playing. But I, I, I do know that this is a complete um, mesh of the two systems. You get a um, you got a lot of what Baylor used to do, and then you got a lot of a lot of Lane's flavor in there as well. I think some of the tight end stuff does come from Lane. I think he is. Um, I think he's right. I don't, I don't think Baylor used their tight end this kind of way, but then I think you got a lot of the run game um, and a lot of the screens and, and, and different motions come from the um, from the Baylor offense. I really do. So um, I think it's a total mesh. I think I think they have a really good relationship in um, in you know you know combining plays. And um, and talking through it and, and giving Jeff the, the free range to kind of um, you know, switch up some stuff. But yeah, this, this is a total mix between Baylor and um, and Lane. Clipboard enthusiast at Shaboink one two three. I'm throwing this strictly to Brad after all we've talked about so far. Are you still all in on the baseball team after a humiliating we are Ole Miss weekend? What's next for Ole Miss men's basketball now that the attorney's out of the picture? It all goes to the offseason there and roster construction. Who stays? Who goes? But are you still all in on Ole Miss baseball? Listen, I think that they um, listen. That they obviously the loss sucked. You know, it, it, it was it was not what you wanted. But I think this team and these players have earned the respect, um, you know, to play their way out of this and and, and deem it as hey, I just had an off weekend. I mean, I think we're nowhere near even giving up on this team. I mean, not. I mean that that would be absolutely nuts. But you know, I, yeah, I think this is still a great great baseball team. They have a chance to um, to you know be even better. I mean, they lost, lost a quality team and could have easily have gotten sweep and they could have easily won two of three. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're far ways away from, um, you know, being down on them. I, I think they can very easily go on a run here and, and kind of fix some things along the way. And then you get to SEC play and we, we win those first couple of series and nobody's even thinking about this series. 
Michael Bullock at mbullock77. What are your thoughts on Ole Miss women's basketball? Finished 10-10 in regular season, but I think Coach Yo is quietly building something special over there. P.S. Keep up the good content with the podcast. Thanks. I listen to them on my morning commute to work each time they drop. Well, good morning, Michael. I don't know anything about Ole Miss women's basketball. I hadn't watched a single game, but it looks like, just from afar, that Coach Yo is doing a tremendous job. Because remember, that basketball program for women's basketball, that's one of the very hardest jobs, if not the worst Power 5 job in the sport in women's college basketball. So to get the talent she has here, I think a little bit of her coaching might be some learning and having to experience and play with it a little bit. But as far as talent is concerned, no one could do better than that at Ole Miss. To get the talent she has to Ole Miss. If you can keep Ole Miss women's basketball competitive year in and year out, you're doing something. Yeah, I agree. And then I've got to know Coach Yo a little bit. She is she is an awesome, awesome human being. I mean, she is very cool down to earth. I can see why she's recruiting pretty well. And I actually, randomly from this question, I was just looking at their schedule like a day or two ago. And, um, man, they've lost a lot of close ball games. And not only that, they beat a couple of ranked teams. And, and usually Ole Miss women's basketball is, is you know, pretty bad so i think that the plan she laid out is there i mean i think that that she's on par with what she what she thinks she can do and then you look at the recruits we have coming in um i mean i think we have a competitive program go look at some of those scores i mean you know i'm not trying to play the moral victory card but but in the past all miss women's basketball was getting blown out and i mean they lost a couple in overtime and, and then a couple other close ones and i think they'd have a chance to go to the tournament if if, if they'd have pulled a couple of those off justin bush at bush justin d which atlanta braves prospect are you looking forward to seeing at the next level? Drew Waters, for sure. Christian Pache is going to start the year as the center fielder. Ian Anderson, yeah, he's still listed as a prospect, but he's already graduated. Brendan Shoemake, I didn't really believe in him when they selected him, but I really like Brendan Shoemake, and I want to see what he can do. William Contreras, getting a real run at catcher. I don't know if it's going to be this year, obviously, with Travis Darno. I wish they still had the DH so we could see him more. Shea Langoliers, another catcher. Michael Harris is another guy I really want to see. He's an outfielder. He's 19. He's going to be in single A. So, yeah, those are the names I, uh, I'm going to be paying attention to. Brian Tillman at BT River Bend with a tight end, Eric Gilbert, he's talking about. Decommitting from Florida and back in the portal. Any word if Ole Miss is a landing spot potentially? Well, I know all the Ole Miss coaches are following him on social media. That's all I know. Do you know much about Eric Gilbert? Yeah, I mean, I paid attention to him. Obviously, he was a, a pretty highly rated um, recruit out of somewhere in the, in the Atlanta area or somewhere in Georgia, I think, right? Or was he in Florida? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, well, he, he's one of those two. He was he's very highly rated recruit. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, th- think about it. Like, if he was, if he wanted to go anywhere in the nation and get absolutely fed the ball at tight end, you surely can't find a better offense. And and, and first, he's immediate starter. He would be best case scenario. You get him and, and Hudson Wolf together, and then you got you know, you're really cooking with something. Um, you know that that that'd be something to, to venture out and look and see. I mean. It, I, I did find that very alarm whenever he decommitted. I was like, like, oh boy, that wouldn't that I mean, that would put an ultimate, ultimate cherry on the top um when you're talking about um, you know, feeling a need and 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 the kind of recruiting class we already had. So um I mean if from any advice that I was giving advice to the kid, I mean, think put yourself in a situation where you're gonna get the ball and showcase your talents. I mean, the, they got they got um, you know, targets for days here at Ole Miss. You were out on assignment. I'm not gonna say what was going on there, what you were doing, but I think we can say from your travels out on assignment that Ole Miss is not leaving any stone unturned 
as it looks for a tight end. I don't think it's settled yet. Yeah, I, I would. Um, in my advice, yeah, I don't think it's completely settled, but but I mean, sometimes you have to look deep into the coaching staff and see where these guys have been, and sometimes that'll lead you to to who um, who could be potentially coming or who or what they're thinking. So you know, can't say much there, but um, you know, look, read in between the lines. Well put. Very media of you. Very well said. Then I'll leave this to you. HB at Hunter C. Bays 10. What's the verdict on Eric Gilbert and what he will do? I um, mean, obviously, don't, don't know a whole lot about that situation, but I do know the player and I do know that we need a tight end. So, and I do know that, that Lane Kiffin looks at, um, at all avenues and it, 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 would, it would shock me if they weren't all over this kid right now. Um, and, and I obviously have no knowledge of that, but I mean, dude, he, he would be, I mean, he would literally be immediate starter with the, with your number two being Hudson Wolf. And you're, you're talking about a, um, an instant, instant impact, instant upgrade. I think that, um, man, that, that, that would be a big, a big gift for Ole Miss. And hopefully, hopefully that's in the works. Tyler Keith at Tyler K 82. He's got a lot of questions. So I'll just answer them rapid fire here. Where does this baseball team finish? I still think they win the SEC West. Is the lack of hitting something to worry about? We've covered that. What is WandaVision? What is WandaVision? It's the most popular show in America right now. Oh, that's my question, too. But anyway. WandaVision is on Disney+. Plus. It's a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You gotta love hmm. comic books. You don't even have to love comic books to love this. It's fun, stupid, trippy stuff. Do you not get bored watching the History Channel all day, every day? So here, here's what I watch. I either watch Dateline or oh, I watch Shark Dateline, Dateline or Shark Tank, dude. I mean, I'm either, I'm either trying to figure out how to make a lot of money or I'm trying to solve some kind of real, um, real life, um, you know, accident or something. Well, some of us just like to get out of the real world because the real world can be really boring at times. And Wine Division is a lot of fun. So it's a part of the MCU. It's potentially opening up for phase four of the MCU, the multiverse. And the Scarlet Witch playing a major role in bringing potentially mutants into the MCU. What does that mean? Why does that matter? X-Men. And the last question, do you see any major improvements in the basketball team next year? I can't answer that until I see what Kermit Davis does in the spring as far as spring recruiting. Who stays and who goes? There are a lot of candidates for guys to not be back next year that would not surprise me at all. There's just a lot of balls up in the air. I have no idea how to answer that until I see what happens in the spring. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Best healthy food chain to eat while traveling on the road. Um, just depends on where you are. I mean, if you're um, my favorite healthy place is called True Foods, but I don't know if many people. There's definitely not one here. It's in the bigger cities. Um, but as far as like a fast food chain, I mean, I would have to say maybe like a Chick Fil A or something, but. Even then, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really do the fast food. but Yeah, uh, I would give you a few suggestions here. If you're doing keto, I can give you all the suggestions in the world. But obviously, grilled chicken nuggets at Chick-fil-A would be an easy spot to go to. Wendy's Chili only has 18 net carbs in them. Um, if you wanted to go to Zaxby's, they got a great chicken salad, but you got to remove all the other crap off of it, like the bread and all that stuff. So there's some options out there. I tried the Subway bowls that they've come out with. Oh, 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 dude. So bad. And I really wanted them to be good. I really did. So, so bad. Oh, you can go to uh, Sonic if you're on keto. And what I do is I get a large chili cheese coney with no bun. 
and they bring you out a fork and everything and a diet limeade to treat yourself. Always stick with chicken that's not fried. It's always good for you. You Go to KFC if you need to. Get you a chicken breast, just one, because that's 16 net carbs, I think. So just depends. If you're on the fly, those are your fast food suggestions. You said what? If you're in a big city, was that true foods? True foods, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, you'd have to be in a big – I mean, they have those in some of the bigger cities. It's a, um, it's a really cool cool place that um, – uh, Chicago, Houston, they have it kind of all over. David Hudson at Huddy32, Martin Prado or Ozzy Albies? Ozzy. Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy. It's not even close. Kopi P at Pat underscore pathetic. Ben, Brad, this is a Brad question. If there was ever a Brad question, Pro V1 or Pro V1X, if you guys haven't tried the AVX from Titleist, give it a shot. Great ball. Hmm. Well, I know back in the day the Pro V1X was for like the um, the lower spin, um, kind of higher swing speed. Now it is switch, and that's smart play by by Titleist. They make sure everybody goes and gets all the new balls. So now I'm, I'm a total Pro V1 guy um, just because I like the lower spin. I got a higher swing speeds. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 typically that's the only ball I use and probably the only ball I've, I may have ever used. And I, I think there are some some other good ones out there. I think there's a, a Taylor made one that's pretty good. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of Bridgestone ones that are decent too. Brad's played golf with me. I'm not a good enough golfer to be telling you what ball to use. See, that for me was him listening to me talk about wine division. Even though I love golf, but I treat golf very differently than Brad. Brad takes it very seriously. It's your thing. Yeah, I enjoy it. I used to play a lot more, but um, yeah, I definitely enjoy playing some good old golf. You've gotten too good. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Biggest offseason moves slash storylines for Kermit Davis to get basketball back to the tournament. Like I said, who stays and who goes. That's the only thing that matters. I'm curious to see, too, how Deshaun Ruffin and Matthew Morrell, two ball-dominant guards, coexist or how you make that work. You need shooters. Grant Slatton's a shooter, but he's a freshman. James White, he's a shooter. He's a freshman. You need experienced shooters to be able to kick out to. And right now, almost doesn't have that. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. What is a uniform the baseball team should add to their rotation? For me, it would be a cream jersey. Mm. Uh, I, I'm. I wish that we would do the pinstripes more often. I'm a big pinstripe guy. I've said that on here before. But also would like for just an all white with some kind of um, you know, maybe stripes or, or something on the sleeves, kind of like the um, uh, almost like the um, like the baby blue jerk, the baby blues, except white. You know what I mean? Like have the old school, maybe Cardinals look or something. You remember that old logo, the U with the M? Yep. Incorporate that. We were doing a post game interview with Mike Bianco and he was wearing a pullover with that and it looked sharp incorporate that i like what they do right now with their jersey combinations they got plenty incorporate that somehow i like playing with hats more than i like playing with jerseys and color schemes you can do different hats and it's more fun for me well listen navy navy blue and red i mean yeah. you can't go great yeah. color for baseball look i love the baby blues i love those powder blues because it's unique and it draws a lot of attention some argue that it looks like pajamas and i get that i really do <laughs> I can see it, but I dig I'm it. With Nubby at NubSup69. Who is the worst defensive lineman, Brad, that you've ever played against? Um, I don't know. Maybe my little brother whenever I was a senior and he was in 10th grade and he was on car team and I used to pancake him every time. I don't know. I what mean. a bully. What a typical <laughs> big brother response that was. You asshole. 
Oh man, I, I I don't even. I mean, worst D lineman. I could. It's hard to remember the worst ones a lot. Um, but it's a lot easier to remember the really good ones. Which defensive lineman in the NFL surprised you with how not good he was? Ooh. Um. I don't know. Maybe I went against some guys late in their career that, um. I would say we're kind of, you know, take some plays off, kind of try to get you where, you know, they're trying to get a sack or so during the game. As long as they get their one sack, they're kind of cool with just, um, just chilling and, and waiting around. I would say, I would say when I went against Mario Williams, he's a really big guy. Um, and he would, you just never knew when he was going to go hard. I mean, I, when I went to the game versus him, I was expecting, Hey man, this is about to be a bloodbath. This dude is good. Well, I mean, half the game he'd go kind of, you kind of run into you, let you get him. Then all of a sudden he, he'd turn it on for a minute and kind of give you, I mean, I thought that those kind of guys were, um, I mean, I, I was, I think that, that if a dude like that would line up every time and go full speed, he'd almost win every time. But yeah, I would say games like that where, where you just didn't know what to expect. And you'd be like, you're kind of surprised with how, how easy it was to block at times. Justin Bush at Bush, Justin D yellow or white queso. Man, that's a good question. Um, so white is like a total Mississippi thing. Yellow is um, very Tex-Mex. So, I mean, I, I I personally like white because I was raised in Mississippi. But when we go to Texas, my my wife and them, they're pretty big on the, the yellow, the yellow cheese dip. Yellow cheese dip to me has always been like, you know, Rotel. But down there, it's like the actual cheese. God, you read my mind. Get out of my brain. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Chinese Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Chinese Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you. Get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends.
Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. I'm going to combine this one with another question from Antonio Batista at PD underscore Batista. Justin Bush, what is the worst walkout song you've ever heard any team anytime? No disrespect at all intended here. Rory, you know I love you. Rory McKean, great dude. Ole Miss pitcher, but he had a custom-made rap song made for him. Rory, I love you, buddy. Oof. It was rough. Antonio Batista, in both your opinions, who has the best walkout song and who has the worst? You got to take a particular approach to this, don't you? You can't take it too seriously. You got to have some humor to it. If you take it too seriously, that's where you start to lean a little bit too far into really bad walk-up songs. And I say that because Luke Lyon, buddy, In the End by Linkin Park. I know Ole Miss is fatalistic, but Linkin Park, In the End, it doesn't really matter. Linkin Park was from when I was in high school and college. What are you doing with that? Is that like for y'all, Led Zeppelin? Am I old now? I mean, again, Luke Lyon, I don't know you, man. And I'm meaning no disrespect here, but what in God's name led you to pick in the end by Lincoln Park? And if there's a really sad story behind this, I'm going to feel like a total dick. <laughs> Listen, I think a baseball lineup is it, it, it has to be a good mix. You have to have the one guy that has like the song that gets everybody, you know, kind of pumped up. You have sure. to have like the funny one. You know, you can't have all funny. You can't have all serious. Like, it's got to be a good mix in the lineup. My personal favorite all time was whenever John John Hancock used to get out with the Big John song. I thought that was... That's great! I thought that was a great one. And he would get out, get up, smack at 400 feet and, you know, jog around the bases. I mean, I, I thought that was probably one of the... That's one of the ones I remember the most. Peyton Shatney was on this podcast. I told him to pick No Problem by Lil Scrap. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't pick Game Over by Lil Flip. He didn't do it. All right, if you don't go that route, then go funny. Ben Van Cleve, he picked Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. That's great. (laughs) Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, that's great. You know how to use your bottom half as a hitter. Look, mister, I still throw 89 or whatever the hell you throw. Hitting (laughs) is all about the lower half. His hips don't lie, that's great. Doug McKaysey does a good job of not leaning too far into taking it too seriously. He's got Rooster by Allison Chains. That's good. Kind of fits his personality. And I totally dig Hayden Leatherwood picking Mississippi by Afro Man. That's playing into the fun and not taking it seriously. Walk-up songs, either they got to be the right kind of hype or they just got to be funny. But not Linkin Park. Luke Lyon, buddy. Change. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, In the not- end, it doesn't even matter. Oh. <laughs> God. I didn't know that would bring that out of me. I'm sorry. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. If each Ole Miss head coach was an Avenger. Oh, God. This is not the podcast for Brad. He is not having a good time with this one at all. If each Ole Miss head coach was an Avenger, who would be who? Oh, God. Lane Kiffin would be Loki. Kermit Davis. I mean, he'd be Captain America, wouldn't he? Button up, dude. And then Mike Bianco. Oh, gosh. Mike. Man, that is tough. I have no idea who Mike Bianco would be. Maybe Hawkeye? But everybody hates Hawkeye. No one hates Mike Bianco. I don't know. The only one I feel good about is Lane Kiffin is Loki because that's just too perfect. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. What has to happen for the baseball team's offense to get right? We've kind of covered that, but figure out who you are. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Which fan base 
has the most fair weather fans. I don't think Ole Miss has fair weather fans. I think Ole Miss fans just love Ole Miss to 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 their own fault. I mean, I, I think this is a fan base where they they put a lot of heart and soul and effort in the team. I mean, this is one of the only fan bases I've ever seen. Oh, I, I grew up crying when Ole Miss lost games, which is absolutely absurd to think about. Um, like like legit crying and would be like sad for the weekend. And, and that's a lot of people grow up like that here. So I think people here love it. I don't think they're fair weather at all. I think that they're just very hard on their on their home team, um, you know, to the point where they love them. But yeah, I mean, there there's there, certainly. I mean, you look at look at Alabama. I mean, they they never have anything to complain about. And um, yeah, I think people jump off that bandwagon pretty quick whenever they do struggle, and then you know they jump back on. So um, I'll take old Mrs. Fan base all day. I mean, you got some some good true fans that were, were raised here, and um, and absolutely love it. We're missing the most obvious fan base. The Golden sure. State Warriors. Oh no, that, that's listen. Golden State. There, there's been more Golden State, Miami mm-hmm. Heat, mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Dude, they, nobody, nobody even watches the Cavaliers now that LeBron's gone. That, that is, and I'm the, I'm the same way. I used to, you used to follow LeBron and LeBron's our age, win. man. Yeah, I mean he's my age. I've grown up with LeBron. Yeah. yeah, I follow LeBron. I don't follow the teams. Yeah, that's that's how how I used to be. The Yankees. Don't say the Cowboys, because the Cowboys, if you've grown up a Cowboys fan like me, you've lived through hell. They've won you know, nothing. Cowboys fans are similar to Ole Miss fans. I mean, they... Um, oh, Cowboys yeah. fans are Tennessee volunteer football fans. We expect more, but our program is never going to be what it used to be, and we still believe it's going to one day return to that. But we're wrong, because it's so poorly run, and other teams and other organizations and other coaches have lapped you. Tennessee, Volunteers, Dallas, Cowboys, they're the same, one and the same. Yeah, but Dallas fans are loyal, though. I mean, they, 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 they travel strong. Well, yeah, you know that because you're best friends with one of them. I was going to come <laughs> visit you in Chicago, yeah, to see you, but to see the Cowboys. Didn't y'all win that game? Yeah, yeah y'all beat the crap out of them. Game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have gone in. I never lost it. I never lost to Dallas my whole career. That's that's I loved it. I beat him. I was thinking I was three and over. So well, pin a rose on your nose. Sam Mooney at Sam Mooney Music. What are your early predictions on who's leaving and who's staying this offseason on the basketball team? I think on the cut line, Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, Sean Robinson, Hadeem C could return as a senior, but the other seniors I think are all gone. Yeah. It's about right. K.J. Buffin's coming back, I think. Luis Rodriguez is coming back for sure. Jarkel for sure. Matthew Morell for sure. Yeah, there you go. Sam Mooney at Sam Mooney Music. Give us your all-2010s starting Ole Miss offense and defense. I'd even love to hear the two deep if you got time for it. We don't have time for it. So let's just do the offense first. Talking about football, I'm guessing. Your starting quarterback for the all-2010s Ole Miss team is who? Chad Kelly. Yep, that's easy. Running back. Running back, I like 2010s. Probably, probably maybe, um, maybe Wilkins. I mean, he was an NFL player, so. Uh, wide receivers. Oh, that's easy. AJ. Oh my gosh. DK. Name them. Laquan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. A lot more. Tight end. Evan. You know what? Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram is the best tight end in school history. Yeah, him and Luke, him and um, Knox. You can put them two oh, together. God, yeah, Dawson Knox. You'd have a case there. Um, left tackle is duh, Laramie Tunsil. I think tackles for sure, Bobby. 
Bobby Massey. He's he was a 2012 or let's just pick the best five offensive linemen: Laramie, Bobby, Fawn Cooper, Javon Patterson. You're going to put yourself in there. You got to. I would. I'll probably. I'd, I'd put myself on the second unit just because of tackles. I mean, you can't Bobby, Bobby and, and uh, Laramie are the best two tackles in Ole Miss history, period. Maybe um, Pierce Burton, me throw him in there at, um, at guard. One of the biggest signings in Ole Miss history. If you really want to look at how things fell, that's a good one. All right. Defense here. Got to go quickly. Defensive line. Uh, Marquise Haynes has got to be a defensive end. Probably Robert Kimdichie there at defensive tackle. I'd want to go with Benito Jones too, because he was really good. The other defensive lineman, uh, who your edge, who's your other edge rusher there? You, you can say Lockett. Kentrell was a 2010er. Yeah, we can go with him. We can go with Fadal Brown, maybe. Fadal, I don't think did enough, did he? Yeah, he was. He's a good player. He's he's he may still have a little, little to go in the league. Breland Speaks. Uh, he'd be Br- in there. Breland yeah, Speaks would be good. He was he was pretty solid there the yeah, last year. He'd be good. Yeah. All right, linebackers. Where are we going? Linebackers, 2010. C.J. Johnson. Yeah, C.J. Johnson. Um, Joel. Joel, Yeah, Joel Kite. Yeah, Joel Kite. We can throw him in there. Maybe Bird. Yeah, that would be the smallest linebacker core ever. Yeah, but man, they made plays. They did. They did make plays. Defensive backs, a healthy Tony Connors safety, obviously. Trey Elston, probably. Uh, Mike Hilton and uh, Sinquez Golson. Maybe Pruitt. Pruitt over Elston, maybe. Yeah. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Are you going to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League? Absolutely not. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Based on WandaVision, are you excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Absolutely. And so is Brad, man. He's fired up, right? Uh, uh, WandaVision, I don't like Willy Wonka. I have no clue what that is. What do I got to do to get <laughs> you into what maybe some stuff that you're not used to? What do I got to do to draw you into some comic book stuff or something? Maybe I bring you in on... It would have been Game of Thrones, but everybody's listening to this podcast. They remember the Game of Thrones podcast that we used to do. And it was a lot of fun. And I was all in on the mythology of it. And season eight was so bad, I've completely ridden myself of Game of Thrones. But I could talk about Lord of the Rings. We could talk about any kind of comic book stuff, Spider-Man. What do I got to do? I'll watch Shark Tank, which I've never watched in my life, if that means I can get you to watch something. We need to come to an agreement on, I'll watch this if you watch that. And then get back together and try to figure out what the hell the other one was even thinking here. <laughs> well, I think the first thing that could happen is my kids could grow up a little bit, so I actually have some free time. It's like when you got your little bit of free time, you gotta you gotta go with what what you like and what you know. You can't waste your time on um, fictional stuff. I'm not I'm not into fictional stuff. I like real, real life stuff at all times. Basically, he's saying when you get free time as a married man with kids, you're really going for one thing. <laughs> No, I don't need to be because I, I can't afford to have a fifth kid. Ah, well, yeah. Unless, unless you went under the knife. Yeah, it's, we're getting there. I'm getting pressured, but uh, we're getting. Two of my friends have gone under, two of them, and both of them have described the experience. It's terrifying. See, this is this is when we need a, a urology ad. We need to say, <laughs> hey, if, if you're going, if you are, though, go to Dr. Dr. Hardin in town. He's the <laughs> best so, uh, uh, yeah. what a perfect way to end the podcast right 
Oh, that's great. Oh, we got one more. Justin Bush. Good Lord. Justin Bush, Hunter Kinneberg, Sam Mooney. Y'all gave us some questions, man. A lot of y'all, just a bunch of questions. Favorite minor league baseball team? Oh, double-A Mississippi. That's where I went down there and met Ozzy Albies and a bunch of different guys. Mike Soroka that came up. Biloxi Shuckers. Or the Mississippi Braves. But yes, the Biloxi Shuckers are there. The number one thing you're watching out for in almost athletics this week is what? Well, I mean, it's obviously the baseball team. Um, please, please return. Um, I hope they hit. I hope they have a thousand hits this weekend coming up, and and they, you know, everybody gets rolling. Maybe we got some games coming over. Some guys can get some confidence. Um, if not, maybe we play Arkansas State another couple times. But I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to see us get um, get our bats going and get some get some guys with some confidence in there. The Batavia Mutt Dogs. The Midland Rockhounds, the Clinton Lumber Kings. That's a really good one. I dig that one. Oh, that was a great one right there. The Mount Airy Great Nears. Oh, I love minor league baseball. The Pensacola Blue Wahoos. That's another good one. All right, I'm done. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate 247 Sports. All right, buddy. See you Thursday. See you, Ben. Hotty toddy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.